How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Playful Podcast, your guide into the underground scene where we discover topics on kink and electronic music every week. Don't forget to subscribe to not miss out on our next episode. We are here today with the Serbian music force and DJ Tiana T. With her acid, dominant techno style, she started out as a music journalist on national TV and has since become one of the busiest DJs within the scene. In our conversation, we talk about how her interest in music started and got shaped and cancel culture and why it takes up so much space within the scene. We apologize for the sound quality as this is recorded outside on Glitch Festival, but we hope it's okay, even though you can maybe hear some crickets playing in the background. I am Amanda, and this is Playful Podcast. So, yeah, you were opening the glitch yesterday at the Fortress. Yes. Um, how how do you... how What's your view on Malta and glitch? Um, I actually really wanted to play this festival for a long time. Um, and, uh, I mean, of course, if you want to play a party, you don't just, like call the promoters and be like, I want to play. I mean, I guess some DJs actually do that, but I don't. <laughs> they do. Yeah, it's a good I, way, maybe. Yes, I actually know some huge names that you would be very surprised that are like, I want to play that. Why didn't you book me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So sometimes it works like that. But Did I'm, they get booked then? Um, do you think it's a good tip? Yeah, I guess. Or I don't is, know. Can sometimes. I ask? Is it mostly men? <laughs> just my curiosity i no i think it goes like both ways yeah actually. okay okay yeah. yeah no actually the stories i know are from women <laughs> ah, okay that also shifts the perspective a little bit like yeah i think men have maybe like different um strategies but 
never mind. I mean, it's just that I, yes, I've been following Glitch for many years and I think they have like really good lineups. Yeah. And this is the reason why I wanted to play here. And then I played their club series uh, in December last year. So I was here already in December. Mm. And then... Um, and they flew you here then? Yeah, because they were doing club nights during the year oh, yeah. uh, here in Malta. And I played uh, this club night in December, but the festival was already booked, so there were no slots. And then they added this opening day because they got this super exclusive uh, fort uh, as a location for the opening party. So then they like they booked me because they also really liked how I played at that club that night. And I think it was really perfect um, to be here because the promoters are so nice. Malta is nice. The festival is nice and the location was very special. And it's also something that I feel very connected to because in Belgrade, my home city, um, there's a big, beautiful fort um, on the confluence of the two rivers. And I always go there and there are festivals there as well. There used to be festivals there. I play there. Um, then Exit Festival in Novi Sad is also in a fort. Um, and I grew up with this festival, working there and, and uh, developing together with the festival. So when I arrived yesterday, I was like, okay, this is, oh. it feels like home. Yeah, this is the setting that I'm very used to. <laughs> yeah, and what you said also about the people behind it, they're so hearty. Like yes, it's really... yes, they're really so nice. Yeah. Uh, probably, I mean, I'm lucky that... Most of the promoters that I uh, work with, like the vast majority, I don't even know if I had like a single bad experience, um, is really like nice, nice people. Um, but glitch guys are really, as you said, like I instantly felt like when I met them, I instantly felt like we, kn we knew each other for yeah. years, like yeah. since forever. <laughs> so nice. And yeah, but we, we talked a little bit yesterday also after your, your set mm -hmm. and you said you mentioned the... The equipment that it's sometimes a little bit confusing with like the three thousands and the two thousand and uh, that that can be a little bit like stressful these situations but I, I yeah I mean for me yeah like I just like to play I mean it's it's the same I guess for every DJ I know some DJs will literally like require the older model because they don't like the new one at all they don't want to use it it's the same for me the the nexus 2 um are for me much easier to use because there's like less pathways and it's just uh, more simple like the uh the way to reach something in your playlist uh, takes like less steps than on the 3000s um so it's just somehow faster and easier for me and i think for every dj it's like necessary always to play uh using the equipment that they are used to and that they feel most comfortable with because yeah. like if you have an idea in your mind then it has to like also be like in your hands and somehow yeah. you need to be able to do it and then if like if you're not very comfortable with the equipment then it's it's glitching a little yeah. bit like from here to it's like what's being played out it's not exactly um the same so yeah when i see the 3000s i'm already like a little bit nervous and i'm still getting used to them so sometimes i can't find the tracks because the layout is completely different but yeah these are these are like typical DJ situations. You never know what's uh, what's waiting for you. I mean, no. there's a, there's always a rider, of course, and certain standards. And like below that standard, 
no one should go because mm-hmm. this is a matter of respect. It's also like it's written in the contract. But sometimes the monitoring is not so amazing. Sometimes the room is reverbing and then yeah. you get the feedback and it's not always ideal. No. But I guess uh, part, sound part, yesterday. part of being professional is to, to somehow learn how to Nothing. cope with it yeah, <laughs> and just exactly. uh, like do do your thing, what, like whatever the circumstances. The sound was amazing. Yeah. The sound was really amazing. And, and the location was just so beautiful. Yeah. But like speaking of having to navigate and just solve problems and all this, you really feel like a person who's a doer who just like, moves quickly in life generally <laughs> actually like it's interesting that that you say this i i don't feel like no i don't feel like that's the case i i know i'm aware that from the outside it probably looks like that it seems like that but my um goals and my limits are like very high up and i don't feel like i do things quickly enough or um, I also don't feel like I do enough. I think uh, uh, there could be like a lot more that, than I could do. So, yeah, it's um, it's a little bit of a different perspective for me. So you have like very high uh, expectations of myself. Yeah. Yes, I Is have. I have the, very yeah. high expectations of myself. <laughs> but where does it come from? Do you? Like, did you get a lot of pressure from home, or is it just naturally coming from your yourself? Um, I believe there's some truth in astrology. So I'm Capricorn, and Capricorns are quite ambitious and very hard on themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's uh, some of that. There's also like. Um, I don't know, when I was a kid, maybe it, it comes from the childhood, because when I was a kid, I was always like a little bit like too serious, even for kids. Um, I didn't understand like what playing means until only like later in life. <laughs> and then, and yes, actually, yes. <laughs> I started being a little bit relaxed like later in my 30s. Um, and... Uh, yeah, and then like very soon when I was like six, seven, they discovered that I have like very high IQ. And then there was like this pressure of expectations that if you are like high IQ, you need to do like science and stuff like that. So I was doing like math and physics and all of that when I was a kid and I was uh, competing and going to like special schools for like gifted kids for mathematics. So it was always like this idea that you're not normal, like you're not like... Uh, normal people so the achievements have to be also higher and then I went to another experimental school uh, after elementary school it was like an experimental high school also for gifted kids and there I mean I don't think this is good at all but they they were telling us they were literally telling us every day you're not like other kids they were like putting so much pressure like if you're Harry Potter uh, on, (laughs) on all of us like you're not like other kids and if you want to perform as like mediocre people do then you need to change school oh so there's like like, so uh, much pressure (laughs) oh it actually sounds like um, big bang theory a little bit uh, did, did you watch it? No, I don't think so. Okay. Actually, yeah, I really like. But it's from, yeah. uh, but anyways, I mean, also coming from a place where I come from, mm-hmm. like coming from Serbia, um, there is a lot of hustle, and especially if you want to be a freelancer, if you want to be an artist, uh, if you want to be a woman who's DJing, you need to actually 
work literally 10 times harder not to compete with like I also had to do it like to to be able to compete with men in my surroundings but to break through internationally it just takes so much more effort than for someone who's like born and raised in Germany or Holland or UK or France it's just like really different like very like very different circumstances so I always had to push myself so like the achievements I did are not where I would expect myself to be but at the same time I'm quite aware that it took me like a lot more to to like just reach where you to, are to reach where I am so yeah. I'm trying to balance my expectations and the reality of my like life context and circumstances yeah okay But speaking of like your younger days, like who were you then when you were a teenager? Like you never had those like party days when you were really young or like I did have. I was partying. Yeah. I was partying a lot. I'm a I'm a party girl. <laughs> like that's me. But you were also older when you were younger. That's why I'm like Yes, but it's also like, you know, growing up in I was a teenager in Serbia in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um and that was the era of war and isolation so the country was isolated under international sanctions so there was like nothing coming in or coming out of the country we were completely blocked from the world and uh, at the same time the country was at war and there was uh, hundreds of thousands of refugees coming from uh, Croatia from Bosnia from Kosovo to Serbia so there was like this major crisis and the country basically collapsed When I was a teenager, the country that I was born in completely collapsed. Uh, it was Yugoslavia. And uh, the reality became like really grim and it was really, really bad for like 10 years. So going out and having parties was really like um, a form of resistance to this uh, reality. And it was something that m- people of my generation uh, somehow very intuitively felt obliged to do mm. so honestly for us the parties saved our sanity Necessity. i mean i'm i'm not talking about people who got carried away with drugs and then they got a little bit damaged but i'm talking about the the rest of us it really saved our sanity because mm. if we would to drown and only live in this like uh, daytime reality mm. what was happening during the day that w- that was uh, very grim it was like really really depressing oh, yes. so we w- we created our own counterculture um our own subculture because the culture was also the, the like the formal culture was also collapsing in our country oh, yeah. so there was no culture there was no economy there was nothing there was literally like no food <laughs> oh, but yeah. but we were partying djs somehow found a way to get records And there were parties and there were clubs and we would just go out and uh, that was our therapy. So I was, I, I had an uncle who was a huge music lover yeah. and he had like a huge record collection that I inherited. Uh, and he took me to my first party when I was only 13. So I went to, to an actual like DJ, like to a club. A house club when I was 13 and ever was it legal then or no one cared or no one of the situation because of the situation yeah. no one really cared yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it was just absolute like chaos yeah. it's very hard to explain it's like really hard to explain the circumstances 
it was also the world uh, without social media and internet, so you couldn't be connected in a way that we are connected now. Um, so it was really like uh, very different circumstances. So I was going out and I was very much into parties, but in my first years of going out, I... Uh, I just enjoyed like really like letting go and just dancing. Sometimes I would go on my own and just like mm -hmm. stand by the speaker and dance for hours and go straight to school uh, after that. Uh, and I was more into this like um, feeling of, you know, dancing and letting loose and like being like in this collective body. Um, and only like a little bit later, I got interested uh, in the music itself, like to oh. just explore this music. Before that, I would enjoy it, but I would not like listen to it so much at home. I was more into uh, a little bit more experimental stuff and also like, you know, whatever was huge back then when I was like grunge and all this like alternative oh. rock stuff and, rock, yeah. and all of that but also a lot of industrial and um, it was more like darker and more like uh, guitar based uh, and then I got involved like more and more and more into electronics and then already when I was 19 I started uh, making music TV shows I did what you do now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you did it for a long, since you were 16, no? 19. 19, 19 yeah, yes. but early anyway. Really yeah, early. I mean, honestly, it was never my plan. Same as DJing, I never mm. planned to be a DJ. I wanted to be a professor at school. I entered two universities parallelly and I was studying, but then I couldn't afford anything or my parents couldn't afford to support me so I had to find a job mm -hmm. and the first job that was offered to me was to uh, do this like music TV journalist Not a bad thing job, and I was like mm, okay I know music I can speak it's a job they pay yes it's fine so, <laughs> I, so I was like learning uh, as as you go, as, yeah, yeah. as I go in front of the audience. Perfect. That's my the way first, to go, yeah. My first time in front of any kind of camera. So, I mean, so we're talking about like 2001. So not everyone had a camera, no. you know. My first time in front of the camera was on like live, live television. That's like the first time ever. Wow. Do you have it? Uh, someone has it. I have some friends who were recording it. I would love yes, seeing someone, that. someone has it. Yes. Were you shocked? Like, were you like. No, the first one went well. The second one was like not that great. We're aware of it. It's like the second album syndrome, you know, like when okay. someone releases a debut album that's amazing and then the second one is a flop. It was exactly the same with me and my show. Oh my God. <laughs> but then you nailed it. Anyways. No, I, I did it for I did it for a long time, but I was just happy. Like it was an amazing opportunity. There was like no requirements. From me uh, in any sense uh, like musical requirements so I could choose any music I wanted and I just presented it on TV so I was like oh amazing I can play like wow. uh, a video of 12 minutes Otekre live on public TV and people are gonna watch somehow so, yeah. <laughs> so that was that was really like educate people yes yes that was that was actually I mean my first motivation is to get a job and then when I realized that it has influence and power over people mm -hmm. and that I can educate and I learned like tricks 
how to make it look like more glamorous than it actually is. I mean, uh, how to make the shows look more glamorous than the music I played. Mm. Uh, so some things really became quite popular. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a good time. Speaking about your party, your party, the party side of you. Yes. Like, would you say, do you prioritize going to parties if you have a, a weekend off? I, I don't know if you ever have a weekend off, but would you ever take a weekend off to go to a party or like prioritize it on weekdays or like... Um, if there's a DJ that I'm really interested in or a live act or something that I'm musically like very into, I I go out, of course. Who are I mean, you then? Like, like when I'm in Berlin, because I live between Berlin and Belgrade. Uh, when I'm in Berlin, and if it's a free Sunday, I go to I go to Berlin on Sunday. If uh, if I'm in Belgrade and I have some time off, I go to drugstore or I go to Twenty Four to Four. So I yes, I still I still go out. You prioritize. So like, and then when you have some free time, it's very hard to choose like what your priority should be. Sleep party. Yeah, like sleep, <laughs> uh, eating properly, seeing friends, uh, like. I don't know, organizing records, like doing all the meeting parents, meeting parents uh, then like yeah. uh, doing all the home stuff. You know, we also have homes <laughs> to yeah, live yeah. in <laughs> sometimes. And maybe a plant or two. No, you yeah, I love plants. You have plants? I love plants. Okay. I was like, <laughs> you can't. Maybe a I, lo <laughs> I, I love <laughs> them and I have them and uh, I'm actually very good in uh, keeping plants. Uh, you have to teach ha me. Happy and alive. <laughs> well, they look okay now, but it's really... Uh... Yeah, every time they come home from their shop, they're difficult to handle, I think. Then you have to, like, tame them <laughs> to, like, water them in your own way. Yeah, Sometimes they I, get angry, I feel. Honestly, plants <laughs> are like any other, like, uh, being or hum even, like, human beings. If you start living with someone, you need some time to adapt to each mm -hmm. other and to yeah. somehow, like, accept that you're living together. And also, it's the same with watering plants and giving them attention sometimes it's not like i don't even know if i'm watering my plants correctly because oh, yeah. uh, i don't really read the instructions mm -hmm. i just have some sort of intuitive connection with them i do the same and, on all my plants yes and i think they they somehow just know like they know that you give them attention and that you like them that you love them and they're happy that's really bad for people who don't have green hands your plants hate you <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you can probably find some plant that likes you like really easy there's this one called the the closet plants those are great advice for anyone who wants plants but who don't know how to handle them you don't have to water them but they still live and like you can keep them in the closet yes they don't need sun they don't need water and they don't look like cactuses you see cactuses right that's a dj plant it is that's, a in this. that's an actual them. dj plant <laughs> That's <laughs> really great. Um, but who are you at the party, would you say? Wow, wow. Yeah, that question. Mm, who am I? <laughs> that's the, that's, who am I? <laughs> who am I in general? <laughs> this, is, this is like the beginning of the Hitchhiker's Guide Through Galaxy. Yeah, exactly. Like when the dolphin is falling. <laughs> it's like, who am I? <laughs> yeah, very stressful question. But like, uh, let's not take it too far. Yeah, uh, who am I at a party? I don't think I'm much different at a. I am. Uh, I don't know. Like, that's, like, where uh, do you? Where do you? Are you like front row or like sitting, chilling, and then talking or like 
do it all kind of person? I mean, honestly, like it's really it's really hard to say because in the last I don't know how many years I was a DJ at a party. So, but uh, I like to, yeah, I would rather be in front row, like dancing. It really depends on the party as well and, and the music. I like it all. I just don't change my identity when I'm at a party and when I'm not at a party. Yeah. I'm the same person. But you're a dancer at least. I like to dance, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like, to, but I also like to socialize. Mm. It's all part of the party. Like, yeah, for, for I don't, some, I don't, like, like I, I don't know, like, why would you say that? I mean, obviously, like the motives for going to a party are different for different people. Yes, yes, uh, for but sure. but for me, I like all sides yeah, of yeah, the yeah. party. I mean, some of the best, like, deepest conversations in my life I had at at the party actually. Yeah. And I think this is exactly what parties are for because it's a very special kind of environment and like very special vibe that is quite hard to recreate under any different, any other circumstances. Mm -hmm. And this is why people feel so relaxed. And it's also like the dancing that somehow removes all the frustrations and all mm. the um, fears, I guess, when you're at a party and you dance a lot, mm -hmm. then your mind also gets like, uh, relaxed yeah it's like and and then when you get into a conversation it's not going to be the same conversation that you would have with someone at lunch I or guess. in an interview <laughs> or, or in an interview no, especially true. if it's like 40 degrees <laughs> outside i have the feeling You're like my, my brain is like shutting down slowly yeah, i need like triple espresso Maybe start to think about like who are we in the end of this like just sit and stare to lead, lead it a little bit forward with uh, you talking about that you started out uh, like where I'm sitting <laughs> as an interviewer how did the entrance to the music scene look like for you um well I mean the entrance was definitely actually my uncle and his record collection and he would play records to me when I was very small like when i was three years old i already knew like Kraftwerk and you know all that stuff and uh and then the music was just there as i said it was uh, very strong it was really present in belgrade uh, people in my wider environment were all very much into music it was really important to know music Mm -hmm. not not just a certain genre because at that time in Belgrade it was important that if you're into music you need to know it all like mm -hmm. all genres uh and then like if you do not you're not cool enough you know oh, <laughs> so sure. so yeah so uh, I was also listening to some radios back then that had incredible selection at the time and I got a lot of my education from there and then I worked for these uh media like for both these radios and, and their TV uh, programs. Um, and so, yeah, that was actually the way uh, I entered and just like going to the party. Like becoming a performer was also a matter of just uh, some sort of like coincidence, some chances in life and me being like very open and being like, okay, why not? Let's try it out. Very brave so, also, I mean, standing in front of a national tv without any education within journalism is pretty brave <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was like i i was really um i'm very sorry that i wasn't able to do things internationally 
uh, and be, let's say, part of the music world in the way that I am right now when I was like younger or when I was in my 20s because I was so crazy and like so brave and so like just doing things. You're right. I was a doer back. Like now I feel like I'm a bit more like I'm thinking too much, like I'm too much in my head. And uh, maybe like with years, I developed some fears that I didn't have Mm. um, before. I'm trying now to like get rid of all that and to come back to my old self. Mm. But yeah, that's true. I was a doer. So so both parts of the story, how I became a performer are actually uh, connected to to this. I was, um, first of all, offered a night in Belgrade in a club on Monday night together with a friend of mine we were both like best friends and living together and we both had music tv shows and i was a brunette back then she was blonde so we were like the two the two rave uh rave tv girls uh in always interviewing djs and musicians and we knew a lot about music so there was this like club owner who had some big clubs in belgrade and he wanted to somehow i think he wanted to monetize the fact that we are so enthusiastic obviously like everyone always does uh and that we know like a lot of people from uh, the public sphere in in belgrade so he offered us to do like a monday night residency and then invite our friends who are also either people who work on tv or actors or writers or other musicians who are not djs so it's like a celebrity dj kind of thing uh but this concept didn't exist back then. It was like 2005. So Paris Hilton was still not a DJ. <laughs> still so, not a DJ in 2005. That sounds yeah. like, must yeah, have been like a long, long time ago. <laughs> so this guy came up with this concept and he wanted to use all, all our contacts. And I was like, yes, let's do it. But the two of us, we need to open and close the night. Because both me and this friend of mine, we were always like at parties, either dancing uh, or working like interviewing and we would like listen to these DJs and always think like we have so much better music at home because we were both collecting uh music like why are we not DJing but back then there was like one woman in in Belgrade or in Serbia who's a DJ so you couldn't like see you couldn't see a woman DJing like you can and then if you don't like if you don't see it you never really think like this is like this is something that I could do like this is like something that these people like men do it's not for you yes it's it's the same like we didn't yeah, it's, it's like yeah. you're always watching these like multimillionaires and celebrities being on a yacht. So you never imagine for yourself, okay, it's possible for me to own a yacht. Yeah, because exactly. like nobody from your environment has it. Yeah. You yes. know, so like that's for these other people. It's the same like back then, mm-hmm. you couldn't see a woman DJing. Yeah. So you would be like, okay, that's for men. It's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, but we were brave enough and uh, it was like totally not ambitious. Uh, we were just having, it was like pure fun. We just wanted to make parties once a week on a Monday night. So basically we played like freestyle, like one song after another, like radio style, no mixing or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I really got into it and I really liked it. And uh, I used these opportunities to actually like uh, learn how to mix and practice. It took me a long time because I didn't have my own equipment for a long time. Uh, So I was also like same like with TV. I was like learning everything in front of like packed clubs. (laughs) I was embarrassing myself so much. But the selection was always good and people were happy and somehow it worked out. Um, and then at the same time, uh, I was uh, host. I was hosting 
Abe Duque, who is this legendary uh, New York producer and a DJ from back in the days. And that time, at, around that time, he was, I think, on the peak of his career and mm-hmm. he was playing in Belgrade. When was it? Also 2005. Yeah. It was all in the same month, like ah. what happened. Um, so, yeah, I hosted him. I was like taking him around to do interviews. And uh, he said that, that his uh, ambition is to become the next Quincy Jones and he's looking for his Michael Jackson. And then after all the interviews, he asked me if I would like to sing with him that night, to join him singing with his live act. And I was very excited, but also like super scared to do it. Mm. And then the whole day I was thinking, should I do it or not? But I can actually sing. And I knew I can sing because I was also singing in choirs for most of my life. And then um, he did his live act. And he before he started, he said, "Okay, there's a spare mic here on the stage. So if you want to like go out and sing, just take the mic." And his he was playing live. His managers were like standing right next to me, like Susanna on one side, Bastian on the other side. They were giving me like glasses of champagne. After a second glass of champagne, Abe played this like drum and bass track and I used to be a huge drum and bass fan and I was like okay this is my cue I'm going so I improvised um Oof. and it sounded Sounds so scary and, and yeah. it sounded good actually yeah. and people were like very happy and then they offered me to come to Berlin in a few months and to record something oh and then when I arrived to Berlin they told me like okay tomorrow you're going to Offenbach and you're playing uh we were playing like what? What was the name of the club? It's right below Robert Johnson. It's in the same. Uh, it's in the same. It was like a Groove Magazine birthday party, but the lineup was like Ricardo Villalobos, Luciano, Magda, all these people who were like the biggest stars at that moment, and us. Who, we haven't seen each other in the meantime. We didn't practice anything, so we had to improvise again. <laughs> so that's how it started, and then I was on tour with Abe for a few years. We were, it was very like rock and roll. We always yeah. improvised. The live act was based on hardware. I would spend some time in Berlin in between. He would teach me how to use all the hardware, so I don't just sing. So I can also like I played the three hundred three because it was an acid like it was acid techno and acid house uh, live act. So my uh yeah like one one of my roles was to play the three or three to actually create bass lines um and i played a few other instruments and i sang on top and it was quite a quite an interesting show yeah. but because we were improvising constantly sometimes you know it was quite brave to do it that way. I, I don't think anyone does it like that. Not, also, singing, at like least to me, me, who's not a singer, that's like the bravest thing to do. Like, <laughs> yeah, I but, feel you can hide a little bit better when you play an instrument than yeah, there's that's a lot true, of other. But when you sing, it's like, it's like if you say something, even if you would say something insulting, I don't know why you would sing something insulting, <laughs> but you know, like creativity can be like... I mean, sometimes it's also... I, I think like a uh, human voice... I think a vocal is the most beautiful and the most perfect instrument because it comes like from your body and um, your body is an instrument actually. And this is how you create this sound. So it is scary because it also depends on the way you feel at that moment. So if you're not feeling quite all right, you know, with the machine, like, I mean, there's also a certain connection with the machine. If you're not feeling okay, the machine can somehow feel it and like not really listen to you. But with your body, it's even more obvious uh, that if you're like down or whatever, your voice just doesn't sound the same. 
even when you speak, like uh, your voice changes depending on the on the way you feel. Well, yeah, yeah but I mean, I had this fear of being judged for such a long time. Mm-hmm. I think I, I overcame it just recently. Oh, honestly, like very, very recently, because mm-hmm. when I decided like, so this is how I started. And then I was like, okay, I was still uh, doing my TV job, working for Exit Festival. And like I had multiple daytime jobs, but I also started collecting records because I was coming to Berlin quite often. So I had the... Uh, access to record shops because in belgrade we didn't have record shops at all we like there there were like not a single one there's like Mm. one there was one and it was very limited what what they were importing so it was never really easy to be a dj there it became much easier to be a dj in countries like serbia when everything became digitalized and when it was accessible to everyone and i'm actually really thankful for that Mm, and I, i don't think it's a bad thing because it was it really meant like freedom for all yeah <laughs> you know it was not defined by the industry not defined by um who can afford it mm. uh, not yeah, exactly. everyone i mean not everyone can afford records like no. we can fetishize it as much as we want and but, equipment and but all in reality things, yeah. like being a dj requires investment like so yeah like the the cheaper it became technologically to perform it the, the better it was because it gave uh, it opened doors for a lot of people who were and downloading in, like in very un, unfavorable uh circumstances and mm. we all downloaded illegally because mm. there was not because we wanted to be thieves but because there were no legal exactly. ways to get music there yeah. were no shops there was like no way to buy a cd there was like, and also money doesn't look are, are not the same in all countries like it's something that could be really cheap in the west is not super i mean i mean we managed so talking about 90s mm. in in my country it's it's actually like a record-breaking inflation it's the second uh highest inflation in the history of the world So in 1993, for example, uh, the money you would get in the morning as your salary would just disappear, like it would lose all value in a matter of a few hours. Yeah. Okay. So the, the inflation oh. was going like by minute. Yeah. So Should... people were living with like three euros per month or something like oh that. God. How do you buy yeah. music? And no, we exactly. still and this... we still somehow found a way to find music and to listen to music and to. Mm like to collect music so i think this whole like uh, illegal downloading thing is actually good because yeah. if we haven't done that uh some artists uh, would not have been popular in this area they would not I bring mean, us when, the, when the borders opened do, yeah. and uh, when the system changed and when finally there were like festivals and concerts mm-hmm. all these acts they could come and perform and they would have an audience exactly if it yeah. was all legal they would not have an no audience. exactly so, and And like speaking of the, you have been in the scene for for so long now in in all different aspects of it. Mm-hmm. But like, and of course, digitalization is one part of how it's changing. But what more can you see? How more can you see like the scene changing? Since I mean, the scene is constantly changing, and uh, obviously, every kind of. Uh, change like social change affects the music scene as well i mean it's still an industry it's still it's still something that is called an industry so whatever is shaping our worlds technologically it's going to affect the scene as well so i think 
um, in some ways it's easier to be part of the scene now. In some ways it's much harder. Uh, it's more complicated because you need to do like more multiple jobs basically, mm-hmm. like to have all this like promotion side of yourself and um, social media, social media, mm-hmm. and like the image. You basically, you're not just a DJ anymore, or you're not just a producer, you're not just a a musician, you're also a brand. So if you really, like, even if you want to, like, you don't need to become uh, the biggest star, like, you don't even need to become one of the top 10 artists in the world. Even if you want to perform locally, everyone expects you to be some sort of a brand, to somehow, like, promote yourself. So I think this uh, this is also not new. No. I mean, this is also even like be, in in the before times, like in the old times, you would have people who are um, very special and like they also built their image as a brand. I mean, you always had Richie Houghton with his hair, with his like black like outfits, with the, yeah. with the visuals. You always had Carl Cox, who's also like a different kind of character yeah, you always yeah. had like Laurent Garnier with his very expressive uh, way of uh, DJing these this is all something that like constitutes a brand yeah, like yeah, the, yeah for sure. it's all like your your image yeah so I'm actually like um I can't really go into discussions with all these purists who are mm-hmm. like oh back in the days <laughs> you know no one would ever see a DJ you know you would just uh be there i don't think it was ever that pure mm. it was you you always had to find a way to break through mm. and that was by taking yourself seriously and creating your image and also like connecting with people and socializing or like recording your mixes hand you know handling tapes or whatever cds like however like whatever format you used or releasing records on certain labels uh, that you know are good for for your uh for your image so i think it's all kind of like the same it's just a bit more uh dispersed because you have so many different channels and like so many different things that 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 you can do so i think this is this is the biggest change um, like, is there anything you wish to change within the scene? To change within the scene? I would actually... Um, how should I put this? So it doesn't feel wrong. Um, I would like to, I would like for the scene, but I also have the feeling like this is something that will naturally happen. I would like the, uh, the whole like political uh, aspect that's influencing the scene right now uh, to wane a little bit, like to just like to downplay a little bit, because um, I don't think that politics in the sense that people are using or aggressively and loudly uh are presenting uh within the scene has um has a place there. like the cancel culture uh, or the, like... the cancel culture the very um aggressive threatening identity politics that i have nothing against uh i mean i'm just i'm speaking from or like the um the whole like political thing of like where you place yourself, taking sides. Are you on this side or that side? Uh, I come from 
I mean, I come from a place of war, so mm. I, I know what it means to be involved in that. I'm also a woman who had an incredibly hard time to become a DJ mm. just because I was in in a society that was very against it. So um, I, I, I am coming from a place of really like, I know what I'm talking about yeah, exactly. when I when I talk about these things, uh, and I think these issues are very serious. And yeah. uh, some some people are just um, using it for their image because it seems to be trendy, and create and it creates an atmosphere where everything goes into a wrong direction. I think, like honestly, if you don't know what you're talking about, and if you're just uh, taking um, like taking a position. Because you see others doing it, just don't do it. Like just let's play music. <laughs> Honestly, as I said, like the the way why uh, the reason why I love this culture and why I belong to this scene and why I believe in rape culture, I really believe in it with all my heart, mm-hmm. is because I have uh, this experience of parties being part of a collective healing process and. Uh, when I talk about the political aspect of a party, I don't really uh, talk about like DJs shouting on Instagram <laughs> for <Really>? whatever, <laughs> like for whatever, for yeah. whatever the latest political issue is. Mm. Um, so I think uh, right now in 2022, the way that people think that. Uh, parties or music should be political Mm. it's just not possible no it's just not doable and it does it does more harm holding people accountable i think it does more harm it does more harm than good yeah yeah because it's it's it's, it's very black and white yeah and it's uh and it's actually in many ways actually like spreading hatred instead of uh promoting understanding and tolerance yeah. and try, like trying to have like nuances and I am uh, very disappointed because uh, what parties and our music culture used to be uh, and the principles that it was built on uh, is actually completely the opposite. And people, I think, I don't know if it's because of the social media culture, but I guess that somehow makes us believe that we know people in a sense that we don't know people. We don't know actually how that they're doing good and that they're how, how they are, what, what their parents are up to or how they are. You know, we don't, we don't know them, even though... They I mean, honestly, the when I look at my own Instagram... Mm. Um, I would have a completely different image, like impression of myself. Yeah, uh, this is going to be fun the, though, with the assumptions part <laughs> to see if I read <laughs> something right. Because yeah, I... like honestly, like if I would, I'm mm. totally like on my Instagram. I'm absolutely not talking about topics that I'm interested in. Uh, yeah. I'm absolutely not presenting uh, myself in um, the most uh, intellectual light uh, that there could be but i'm also aware that this is a tool for you know promoting myself as a dj and um i also don't want to misuse it so yes definitely you never know the context you never know what someone has gone through you can never know anyone's secrets you don't know like if this person you know 
there's like so many examples. Someone might have a condition. Maybe they're taking medicine for this condition. Mm. Maybe this affects the way they think or mm. the way they act. You never know. You never like know. What's, yeah. Like what's the... Take it easy. What's, no, honestly, yeah. really, like it all comes to back, back to... Uh, peace, love, unity, respect, like respect, respect this other person. You may not like them, but respect them. You know, we need to like the, why the dance floors are there in the way they, they are there so that we could unite. Like, exactly. So that, and, like, also and, the perception, and the music, yeah. like the, that sound that we, that unites us is uh, repetitive. It's hypnotic for a reason, because that's, the way to actually create this kind of uh, like collective frequency. Like if you have this like repetitive music with no vocals, this is creating a certain frequency that the whole dance floor somehow resonates at, at, at a certain point, point. And this is how the sound unites. All these like, all these big phrases have like, uh, y- you could actually have like a scientific, <laughs> a scientific explanation for it. And uh like peace, love, unity, respect. It's not there just as a as a stupid saying. It's honestly like some something that this culture has promoted, uh, that, that this culture used to be about, and I hope it will be about. And mm. this, so this is the only thing I would change. I would just like people to live by those principles a little bit more, even though it's very seducing and it's very attractive. Um, and it's also part of our new human chemistry to do something just for the likes <laughs> and just for the approval <laughs> of others, because this is how we are being programmed these days. Mm-hmm. I also don't think it's something unnatural. It's just one of the phases of evolution. Yeah. Uh, but maybe like, you know, for a second, people should just use their brains before. Yeah. Just and, like, <laughs> and know that you're also... Unleashing. <laughs> yeah, and also the... When we are feeling angry, it's often a perception we have on the situation, what you're saying. But it's also something that is like we can build up histories in our own minds so easily. Like that's just how we deal with traumas ourselves. Yeah. Like dealing with traumas, whatever. Anyways, we can go, we can go very deep into <laughs> yes, this. Exactly. Uh, I feel the into, same. into this topic. But as someone who used to work in media for so long, mm-hmm. uh, I would just. Uh, uh, do that like this little disclaimer like do not trust the media like mm. any media don't trust me guys <laughs> like don't trust I'm anything <laughs> like don't trust oh, yeah. anything because there's always this like uh there's always like this little gap like even now we are being as relaxed as possible i'm being as honest as possible but i'm also like wearing makeup i'm all dressed up my hair is done this is not true you have any makeup this left is, this is like this is so this is not truth this true. is not reality i'm yeah. also quite aware that i'm being filmed so i'm not like 100 percent like behaving the way i would if it's not so there's already like not Filters. enough not enough truth in our interview and like when we talk about something that is huge like like when we talk about media that actually has interest in like uh, deceiving people yeah. you know no, where, for sure. like where the possibilities are endless. so like don't let um i would just say like people should not let being seduced by whatever is written in the media um and also like if everyone is like running into one direction it doesn't mean that that's the right way exactly like they should Boom. like everyone should just like think about themselves first and like 
like make a decision based on their consciousness and their own like human principles and then unleash their anger. I honestly, I mean, the people are fantasizing the political era of dance music. People are like idealizing it and they're fantasizing about a form of uh, being political that never really existed. Mm. You this know, it was, you know, yeah. even if we talk about Detroit and the originators in Detroit, mm. they're... Uh, protest and the way uh, that they were being like punks was not by um, attacking other people or by talking bad about others or promoting promoting hatred. For them, just doing what they do in the way they did and being what they've been, like performers, uh, successful musicians, uh, people who are presenting something progressive, something new, people who are writing musical history, that was their form of protest. Mm, that was, that, the, what they did was their protest. This is the thing. It's it, wasn't, with, it, it wasn't yeah. like, it wasn't like, oh, let's go and like cancel the no, white people. it's about what you do and what it you was, create, It wasn't like, let's the cancel way, yeah. the white people. It was like, okay, now... I'm taking control in my own hands and I'm just going to be whatever I want to be. And this is my protest. Now we have come to the part of the podcast where if you're a Patreon, you'll get to listen to the extra material where Tiana gives her top recommendations on how to evolve in the scene as a new DJ. She also talks about the pros and cons on how to make it quickly in the scene and somewhere. If you're curious, go to patreon.com slash magazine and have a listen to the extra material. It's either this or it's that. This is this or that. Uh, complete creative control or collaborations? Both. Yeah? You don't even prefer one of them? No, because like if you do something on your own, like of course you want to have complete creative control uh, in terms of like the label should not tell you what you should release for example but if there's like a great chemistry with someone and you really want to collaborate with this person then it can also be like very important so both, yeah both okay and um, what's the worst people asking for track id after each track or butter techno bro gangs what <laughs> <laughs> techno bro gangs you know who are like this is the way techno is and it's yeah, never gonna be. you know should be yeah so what do I prefer, that mm-hmm. or, Which people one who, or people who ask for track IDs? After each song. Each track. No one asks for each track. No, but what's the worst? I, I think techno bro gangs are worse. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, shots and whatever comes your way along the night or tripping on life? Tripping on life. All-inclusive resort or caravan trip? all-inclusive resort here we are <laughs> okay and no it- no i need to change this answer it's actually both yeah yeah it depends on the mood okay yeah 80s or 90s 90s and mm-hmm. uh, rupaul's drag race or documentaries documentaries uh, psychology or alternative healing both both yeah okay now we are counting <laughs> the half part
so you mentioned earlier that you're like, I wonder what picture people get from me through my Instagram. And now we're going to bring that to you and ah, see if it okay. fits. Okay. Um, you have a photographic memory. Okay. Is it correct assumption about you or is it not correct? It is. It is? Yes. Oh, look at that. <laughs> okay. Uh, you're very slow with digital trends. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> no TikTok yet? <laughs> no TikTok. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you wouldn't be a musician, you'd pr pr probably be a scientist. Yes. <laughs> I was feeling so happy with that when you started talking. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, you sometimes sometimes disappear for several days, and people who know you, they know like, okay, we know what's going on. But people who are new within your sphere, they wonder if you are alive or or not, and get really worried. But you're actually spending time at an after party or in the studio, and you just turn everything mm, off. No, unfortunately, I I don't really turn off. Yeah, I'm one of those people who are almost always reachable and i feel obliged to to answer oh yeah okay i mean it happens sometimes that i disappear for some hours or like half of the day or that i'm sleeping a lot uh but it never happens that it's like five days yeah okay you speak more than three languages um yes yes how many <laughs> Brag. I mean, um, yeah, this is another interesting story about the country that I mentioned. So in Yugoslavia, the official language was uh, called Serbo-Croatian or Croatia-Serbian. And that was one language and we all understood each other. And then when the country broke into pieces, every republic that uh, wanted independence also uh, insisted to have their own language, which is insane because we actually understand each other. So uh, formally, I actually speak Serbian, Croatian, Bosnian, and Montenegrin. So that's already four. English. <laughs> no, but I also speak English. I speak uh, Spanish. I forgot a lot, but I was actually studying Spanish. Um, I understand and can speak a bit of French and uh, Italian as well. I was being so timid. I was actually thinking five languages, but then I was like, no, come on, Amada. So few people speak five I can, languages. No, I can understand most of... Well, then you're uh, up I, to seven. I can understand most Roman languages. I mean, uh, like Portuguese is very... like very. I've, I've been to Portugal many times, so I already know a lot of words. Uh, I was... Uh, also in a school learning Italian for like a year or so, two years. So, yeah, I can't say I speak all these languages, uh, but I can find my way if I get lost and I understand when I read, I understand a lot. Yeah. Okay. But I last... speak English and Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last one. Um, oh, now, now I understand a lot of German. Oh, yes. good on you. Yes, I understand a lot of German. I had to do bureaucracy on my own. So This is the thing. How so, do you learn German in Berlin? With Google Translate. Yeah, but no one <laughs> speaks it with you. Like, no, I no, no. Really you difficult. need to just take care of your bureaucracy yourself. So you need to Google Translate all the stuff that they're, sending, they're, they're sending you in the post and then you learn the language. <laughs> Philip says you can also listen to Rammstein because they are very easy lyrics. But... They have, but uh, what do you need to do Hust for? 
Like how 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 often are you gonna use Duhasi? You never know in, your... in what situation you may need it. <laughs> But okay, the last one. Uh, you often curse by yourself, and what comes out of your mouth is not for the faint-hearted. Like you're brutal. Um, that's true. I'm very. I'm actually very um, strict with myself which means I'm also strict to others. So like with my friends, I'm always like brutally honest. I know it's not pleasant, but in the end, I think it's, uh, it's also the only way I can be. Uh, and in the end, they are often thankful for it. So some, they get angry at first, but after some months, they're like, oh, thank you for saying it. Yeah, this is the thing. This is actually, yeah, I really... Admire, like I really respect that I also am very much the same person like in that kind of sense and I think with my family and with friends and everyone and it can be create conflicts but at the same time you're like who would I be if I did not say anything about I mean honestly sometimes I'm really like thinking like why like why did I have to say this <laughs> but it's better it's better that way thank you so <laughs> much Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.